Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. God is here. What is Christmas about? And as we navigate the next four weeks, it's, it's more than presents, it's more than summer nights, it's more than beach brides, it's more than all these things. Christmas is a moment where God broke into the silence God broke into the void. God broke in and came to earth. Jesus came to earth. It's the time where Jesus comes and he takes on the form of shape, shape of a man. He chooses the smallness of a womb. With all respects to moms who've carried babies, Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who was perfect in all his ways, chooses the smallness of a womb so that he can come into the spacious place so you can keep taking people from smallness, small spaces, captivity into spacious places. He comes at this time and he reveals, and when we come to Christmas, we're reminded that Jesus came to earth, that God is here. God will always be here. God will continue to take people into spacious places. Christmas is so much more. It's, 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 the, it's the challenge that he lived this life. This life of challenge. It says he was tempted in every way. He had the trials that we had. He would have gone through the awkward kiddie years and being a bit of a pain sometimes. He would have had to go through it. I know we struggle to get our minds around that. He would have gone through the tween years. I don't know if they had iPads. They definitely didn't. But iPads are a thing for tweens. He would have gone through those years and teenage years. He would have struggled with some of those challenges. And then you know what? He would have been a 20-something unmarried while all his mates got married as teenagers. He would have navigated those challenges and navigated those weird, awkward conversations that some people have to navigate. But he came to earth to give us strength to navigate all those things well. And then to die a death, we couldn't die. Why? He lived a faultless, perfect life. There's a bit of a theology out there that that we can be sinlessly perfect in this life. No, we can't. Jesus was. That's why we need him. We're going to give it our best shot to please Him in every way. But but I need His grace in my life. And I'm reminded every day, and Christmas is just another reminder, that I need His grace in my life. I need the inbreaking of Christ in my life. I need the fact that God is here, that God came to earth so that I could find peace in Him. That the one whose government rests upon His shoulders pulls me into a story and He becomes the Prince of Peace. And I sat with a married couple, a, a divorced couple the other day who wanting to navigate a journey towards marriage and getting remarried. And I said to him, I could sit with you and we could read all the marriage books in the world, but unless the, the government that is on his shoulders, you allow to come onto your shoulders, the Prince of Peace never happens in your life. And we're reminded this time, God has got us in all these stories and he pulls us into a story of relationship, into salvation. Christmas is about so much more than a religious act at time. And so we speak about God is here. God is here. You ever felt like God's been silent? Maybe some of you are like, yeah, right now. There we go. Thank you, Barry. Like, like God's just left the building. Like God's not speaking anymore. Ever felt like that? Well, the people of Israel experienced this. They, uh, they were God's chosen people. And when you saw Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God spoke to them. He would speak to them. You get Abraham. I mean, who were, I would love to hear the audible voice of God tell me what to do in 2019. Anybody else? I would love to hear that. Abraham gets this. The Lord had said to him, Genesis 12 said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God speaks to Abraham. 
Then he speaks to Isaac. And, and he says to him, Isaac, and the Lord appeared to me, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. I want that. But it, I don't feel like I live in that all the time. And the people of God go on a journey and God selected certain relatives of these people's descendants to speak. And he get Joseph and Moses, Aaron and the high priests. And God seems to speak to individuals to then speak to the people. And he pulls them into these stories. But the problem is the people don't listen. They don't listen. And they struggle with this fact that God's not speaking the way he used to. And we get this prophecy that during that period, there would be a time where God would not speak because the people had not listened. And the people weren't obeying his word. And so he speaks words like this in Amos 8. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, where I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. It's a radical famine. It's the worst kind of famine. And God's not doing this to be spiteful. God's doing this to teach His people that we are a people who are called to obey. We are people who are called to live with the reality that God is in our lives and He is a God who speaks. But fortunately, that wasn't a forever. And in the story of that time of 400 years where God goes silent, you see the Christmas story and the start of Luke and the start of Mark, and that all starts after 400 years of silence. 400 years of God not speaking. Their descendants had followed God's voice. He had led them. He'd showed them. But for 400 years, God doesn't speak. And so when we celebrate Christmas in our time with the knowledge that we have and Jesus who came to die, we celebrate the fact that God will not go silent on us for 400 years. But we have to look at that time and learn and grow and be a people who are completely dependent on his voice. And in that period, there were the faithful remnant. Those who over 400 years, they didn't stop praying. Those that over 400 years through trial and challenge, they knew that God was a healer, but they would cry out and God didn't speak. They, they were looking and they knew God would lead them, but God didn't speak. But they kept praying, they kept pursuing, they kept calling on his name, and they kept declaring their faithfulness to a God who is faithful. And they held on to hope. Hope that God is who he says he was. Is. The hope that, that God is still everything he says he is. And everything he's portrayed, but, uh, presented himself to be. And we see these psalms that they write in that time. But you, O God, are my God from of old. You bring salvation upon the earth. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monsters, monster in the waves. It was you who crushed the heads of the Leviathan and gave him as food to the creatures of the desert. It's these people who hold on to who God is, regardless of silence from heaven. And in this series, it's about God is here. It's about what changes when God breaks in, when Christ comes to earth, everything changes. The possibilities of the broken changes. The possibilities of every person changes. The possibilities of every marriage changes. Why? Because God is here. God is with us. God is speaking. And it all starts in the book of Luke, an account by a doctor. He, he's the guy who wants to, he, he starts out saying, I want, I want to show you where God has been faithful. I'm going to give you an accurate account of everything God has done because he is faithful. I want you to know God is faithful. You happy to journey a little bit of Luke with me this morning? Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children. 
because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. It's an amazing thing. We meet these guys, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They are part of the remnant, the faithful few, part of Israel who were still praying, still seeking God's name, both of them from the line of priests, both pursuing God and holding on to God in these times. And they'd never let go. And here's the accounts of these people. They were blameless. I mean, it, it's a radical account of someone in God's word. And, and they were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Blamelessly. They, they were holding on. They were trusting God. Why would you pursue God in such a way? And in those days, to pursue God meant to hold His regulations. In those days, to pursue God meant to trust Him. In those days, pursue God meant to go to the temple and keep praying, to pursue God in those places. They were doing everything perfectly. And in the midst of this, I mean, they should literally be on Facebook, my best life yet. They're rocking it. According to Christian things, they are rocking it. And then the very next line, but they're without child because Elizabeth was barren. So God's been silent. They've been praying. But they're still barren. They're still barren. And this is the start of God's account of sending Jesus, the New Testament, the new story, the new start. Surely these guys were doing everything right. Surely they they were positioned perfectly for God's faithfulness and breaking in in life. Is that not right? Is there some emotions? They, they were thinking like this. Well, they have no children. Why not our prayers? Why the prayers of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Why did you hear their prayers 400 years ago? Why have you gone silent in our generation? Why, why, why? Anyone ever had a moment like that? Maybe right now at the end of 2018, you're going, I had so many dreams for this year. So many passions, so many desires. It's okay. Bring it to him. Why do we praise with passion in front? Because when I'm praised, I'm reminded who he is and I'm reminded who I am. And every other emotion that starts to dictate my life falls aside because I'm pulled into his presence and I'm reminded everything's possible in his presence. And God takes these stories like this and he wants to lead us. See, this story is about a God who never forgets and a God who always hears our prayers. See, in those days, to have a child was more than just A nice thing to do. In those days, that was your future. In those days, that was your status. In those days, a husband could leave his wife for not having the ability to bear a child. And yet they held on to God. They held on to the promise. It says they were later on in years. It's a radical, radical thing. Plus, it wasn't common in those days. Now we know in our time at this stage, it's relatively common that people might struggle to fall pregnant for a while. It's not in their day. And yet they are the faithful ones. The ones who hold on. To God, they keep praying. And this is the story. It says, once Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by Lot. I read that and I thought there's something in there. See, we can read that and think, well, he's chosen by Lot. It was luck that he just happened to be in the presence of God. He's praying all the time. No, in those times, Chronicles tells us, there were these tribes of priests and the different, the, the different groups of priests would have two weeks each in the year, who they would go into the temple, and one at a time, for that time, they would pray in the presence of God, one at a time. 
And the way they would do it to make sure that it wasn't taken up by one or two priests, they would draw lots in their grouping, and that guy would get to go in and spend time in the presence of God, even though God had been silent for 400 years. And the Bible says they drew lots, and this guy goes in, Zechariah goes in. It's a radical thing because most people think that somehow God is like Father Christmas and there's limitations on his ability to meet you, so you have to get lucky. God heard my prayers today. I need to draw a lot where God hears my prayers. And I want to tell you that this picture is a picture of a God who hears our prayers. It's not a coincidence. And David cries out and, and God hears his prayer. In Psalm 16, I want to tell you about lots. Because I saw this not long ago and I think it's spectacular. We know the, the second part of the scripture, but we forget the first part. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of God to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. David reveals to us what a worshiper is. It's someone who knows that our lot is secure in Christ. The new king, the, the, new king, the, the King James Version says, you maintainest my lot. It's this word that means to grasp, to hold, to support, to take charge of, to keep. It says, God, you keep my lot. And even if I'm drawing a lot from a lucky packet, my lot is in your hands. And my lot is in the security of knowing that my king reigns. And when Zechariah comes and there's a lot to be taken, God says, your lot, Zechariah, is secure because I have heard your prayers. And I will take you into my presence and I will do spectacular things. I want to tell you first point this morning. Your lot is secure. Some applying for jobs, you think they're in the, in the hands of HR consultants, you think they're in the hands of CEOs, you think some man or woman is in control. I want to tell you, your lot is secure, even when it feels like God has been silent for 400 years. Your lot is secure. And if we hold on to that promise, we become the remnant. We become those who get pulled into God's presence. We become those who will see things, greater things than ever before. This is the gospel. This is why God came. This is why God is here. And he reveals it through a couple who were beyond years, who struggled to believe that they would fall pregnant. He reveals. He makes a lot secure. And then it carries on. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing in the right-hand side of the altar of incense. Remember, it's just Zechariah, no one else, in the Holy of Holies, God's been silent for 400 years. God hasn't pitched up for 400 years. But he's praying. He's pouring his prayers out like he always has for all his years. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be a great, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heads of their fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. First time God speaks in 400 years. He chooses to speak through an angel. But in his presence, in his temple. Imagine being Zechariah. 
startled by God speaking. For 400 years, all you've heard is your own voice crying out, your prayers crying out, your petitions crying out. That's all you've heard. That's all you've seen. It's like that startling thing, someone's in the bush. I remember my sister used to have to park up the road in the days where people parked in different areas on streets. We didn't all have garages. And I saw her park one day, so I thought, what I'm going to do, I'm going to hide in the bush, as a nine-year younger brother would do. I'm going to hide in the bush, and as she walks past, I'm going to jump out and just say hello, you know. But we lived on a very steep road, Ridge Road in Durban. And as I jumped out the bush, she, you could see I was rustling in the bush on purpose. She could see something was there, and then I jumped out. She didn't even look at me. She just took off. She ran all the way down the road. It's about 150 meters to the bottom. She turned left and carried on running down St. Thomas Road, screaming like a banshee, just going wild. And I think if I was Zachary, I would want to do the same thing. I want to run out of there. Sure, I've been praying for this for years, but I would do the same thing. And God reveals himself to this man and says this, your prayer has been heard. I kind of think both Zachary and Elizabeth, beyond their years in child rearing, bearing, whatever you call it, I kind of think their prayers might have changed. And yet God says, those pray- that prayer you prayed all those years, God has heard your prayers. In the front row, and, and we've got examples in the community. In the front row is a little boy. He's not here now with Jen. I don't know where they are, but his name is Zachariah, Zachary. And his parents have prayed for a child for a long time. And then they got Lee. And then there was a time that I remember Wayne came to me end of last year, I think, and said, we, we want to adopt. God has spoken to us. We're going to adopt. After years of barrenness, after years of silence, after prophecies and promises, and then they meet a little boy. And in their heads initially was, well, obviously he's a little guy. We'll change his name. We, you know, we want to give him our name for him. We want to give a name for him. And, and then they met him. And his name was Zachary. You know what Zachary means? Yahweh has remembered. God has remembered. You want to walk with God. God hears your prayers. God has remembered. And he will remember. Maybe it'll be years of silence. Maybe it'll be some challenge and trial. But God has remembered. And when he provides, he gives the best gifts. And it carries on in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. See, Zechariah is a priest. He, he, he was one who knew God's promises And he taught others the promises, but the promise comes and he struggles to receive it. It's like us a lot, I think. God gives us promises. And you know what? We actually don't need angels and we don't. We've got promises, hundreds of promises, hundreds. And you know what? Often we choose not to believe them. See, the challenge, the difference between us and the rich young ruler is he didn't have this. He didn't have the story. He didn't have the history. He didn't have the, he hadn't tasted and seen other than that moment of Jesus. But we do. We have promises and our job is to believe them. Even when it feels like there's silence, God has given us promises and he's given you promises. And it carries on. And while he's in there praying, while God is speaking, the people outside says, meanwhile, they were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. But because he couldn't believe the promises, God says to him, you're not going to speak until that child is born. 
You're going to tell, you're not going to tell the people what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to. And he comes out and they're wondering what's going on there. They know something's happened in the presence of God, but he comes out. He can't tell them. There's no iPads. There's no Twitter. There's no Facebook. He can't tell the world. He's got this news inside and God says, I'm going to keep it quiet. Why? Because I'm going to do my story and you'll realize in your unbelief that I am God. God wants to remind us that he is God. And that he secures our lot. You've got to believe that he is God. And he pulls us into the story. And the story carries on. And five months later, um, we see that she becomes pregnant. I just think about those five months. Angel, promise. Mm. What you're doing, Elizabeth. And the next month, and the next month. We struggled to fall pregnant for a while. And... Um, it's a nerve-wracking thing. And now you've struggled your whole life till late in life. Then you get a promise, and the promise doesn't happen immediately. But they navigate it because they know who God is. I want to tell you, number one, God makes our lot secure. Number two, God is here in my disappointment, and he hears my prayers. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to, to live, but you've got to bring that disappointment into the presence of God. You've got to bring it in worship. You've got to speak to your soul like the psalmist says, Oh, my soul, why so downcast within me? And we remind ourselves and we position ourselves on who God is and not how I feel. And we speak to our souls. You are the keeper of your soul and you have a key. And that key is there to open the door for God to get in. But we allow other voices and other things and disappointment to grip us. We're going to live with some disappointments, but here's what we do, what we do with them, where we come to, and we keep coming back. You see, Zechariah, I believe, would have had some disappointment, but he kept on going back and praying to his king. And uh, many of you and you in this community wouldn't know some of the stories of the past that God has done. But over there sits my mate Malcolm Herbert, and he's tapping on a cell phone. Hopefully he's not on Twitter. But they trusted God for 14 years in this community as elders and leaders in this community, praying and laying hands on others. Until God gave them what he had spoken. 14 years is a long time. 14 years is a lot of prayers. 14 years is a lot of people saying, can I pray for you? 14 years is a lot of prophets coming to town declaring stuff. 14 years is some stuff you've got to get over. But God is faithful and he hears your prayers. Stanley Adams told a test me at Milton last week. A faithful man, a, a wonderful man, a brilliant husband, a guy who works hard. And he lost his job because of fighting for the gospel, actually, in the marketplace. And it took him into a season of 17 months unemployed. 17 months. And you go, God, I stood up for you. No, 17 months, you're going to be unemployed. I'm going to teach you who I am. I'm going to show you who I am, that I am the God who hears. And he stands last week, he tells testimonies of how people in the community bought things from him that he started to sell, how people in the community gather around, and then how God provided because he heard his prayers. But I remember meeting Stanley in that journey at times and seeing the disappointment and the pain. Where do you bring your pain and your disappointment? We give you the highest praise. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. Highest praise. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. You praise you God. We sing about through every high, through every low, 
will be a people of praise. God wants to reveal to us that he hears our prayers. And he is the God of time as well. And if he can give children to people who have struggled late in their years beyond, I think even after they've stopped praying for the promises, he is still that same God. And he wants to reveal that to you and he wants to reveal it to me. See, the challenges we have to respond. Proverbs tells us that hope deferred make the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We have to manage our souls in the journey. Like Zechariah and Elizabeth would have had to manage their souls. Why did God come? Because the promise of his word is available to us. Again, the difference between us and Zechariah and Elizabeth, we have the promises of God in our hands. And he wants to reveal his promises to us. Believe God. Our response and our promise is to believe God about who he says he is. And to desire to keep seeking his face. Even sometimes if there's some quiet days. And we, it's maturity. It's an ability to walk. It's, it's the promise. We see it in our natural relations that there will be good days and bad days. And there will be days where love is gushing in a marriage. And other days where it's a little bit more functional. We're just moving forward. But the times are coming. We're holding to the promises. But we treat God like he's inconsistent like us. God's not inconsistent. God's not emotional. God doesn't have bad days. He is always faithful, and my job is to keep believing him in the promises. And thirdly, and I'll land on this, God restores even when it seems impossible. And Zechariah asked this, how can this be? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. What, what if God did something in your life right now? What would that thing be that you've prayed for, that if God did it, you would go, mm, how can that be? How could you restore How could you pour out? I'd given up on those dreams. I'd given up on that promise. I'd given up on that potential in you, God. I listened to a testimony this week or last week of a couple who were 25, 26 years old. They were very clever people, both in university, got their master's degree, finished together, got married, had a baby. Life was on this. No family, no history of strokes or anything in their family. She has a stroke, 26 years old. Three-month-old baby, the world in front of them. Whole left side of her body paralyzed. And you, you can hear she can barely speak, and she starts to speak. And she starts to say, with an upbeat attitude, there's always purpose in pain when God is in the story. There's always purpose in pain. And then she said, God has hardwired you. To face up to the hard thing so that he can do the good thing. It's not my words, it's her words. A lady who's had a stroke. A lady who's navigated a year in brain therapy in a hospital and her husband would come visit her every day. We have to hear these stories and be reminded because when we read Zechariah, we kind of start a reading plan and start in Luke. We kind of read past it. But Zechariah and Elizabeth would have had to face up to major disappointments. But they held on to the hope even after 400 years of silence. They held on to the hope. Where are you, Jesus? He makes my lot secure. You think your lot is insecure? No. We are insecure. My lot is in Jesus. And he wants to reveal to us that even if man thinks they're drawing lots for our futures, God has made our lot secure. It is a promise in his word. You don't need an angel to appear to you to tell you. God has told you.
We've got to hold on to that. Secondly, God is there in the disappointments and in our prayers. He's there. He's there. We navigate these challenges and trials, but he's there. Sometimes we're on our knees and sometimes we're crying out for others, for ourselves, for our children. He's there. But our disappointment has to turn to the promises of God and say, God, I'm going to choose to believe. We sing oceans, song how I want to walk on water. That's not a believing the obvious or taking the natural attitude. That's a believing God and taking a hold of his. And lastly, he restores even when it seems impossible. I want to read one scripture to us that I encountered. I read it to the leaders last week, and then I'm going to close. But it's a tough day. It's Psalm 138. It's a tough day. It's a difficult day for God's people. And I read in the Passion Translation, and I loved it. And he starts out with this. He says, I thank you, Lord, by King David, with all the passion of my heart. I worship you in the presence of angels. Heaven's mighty ones will hear your voice as I sing my loving praise to you. I bow down before your divine presence and I bring my deepest worship as I experience your tender love and your living truth. For the promises of your word and the fame of your name have been magnified above all else. This is in the midst of a tough day. You want to learn how to navigate your soul. Learn how to worship him. Learn how to restate his promises over your life. At the very moment I called out to you, you answered me. You strengthened me deep within my soul. And breathe fresh courage into me. One day all the kings of earth will rise to give thanks when they hear the living words that you have heard, that I have heard you speak. They too will sing of your wonderful ways, for your ineffable glory is great. For though you are lofty and exalted, you stoop to embrace the lowly. Yet you keep your distance from those who are filled with pride. By your mighty power I can walk through any devastation. And you will keep me alive, reviving me. Your power set me free from the hatred of my enemies. You keep every promise you've ever made to me. You keep every promise you've ever made to me. Since your love for me is constant and endless, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing that you've begun in me. What good thing has God begun in you? I sit with people regularly. My boss promised this, a bonus, a promotion. My father promised this. This person promised this. Throw yourself before the grace of God who keeps every promise. And will navigate life because he hears our prayers. And the timings are not in my control and they're not in your control. But this Christmas, as we are reminded that God is here, we can live, uh, we can live with the knowledge that our God is on his throne. He's in control. He makes my lot secure. Young people choosing decisions to get married. Your lot is secure. Shemin and Andrew moving to Johannesburg. Don't know where you are. Your lot is secure. Navigating new businesses. Your lot is secure. Making decisions, young people, what to do with life and where to go and what to be and a thousand voices shouting. Your lot is secure. And as we come, we're going to take a moment now. Maybe I can just invite Sharon up. We're going to take communion this morning, Nick, for the next few minutes. And remind ourselves that our lot is secure. And I want to ask you to do something honest and vulnerable. Can you bring your disappointments to your king?
and allow him to reveal himself to you as we take communion this morning.